We're starting a new sermon series today, and uh, here at Lake Point Church, we do a mixture of things. We do sermon series that are kind of more topical, and we pull things from the Old Testament, things from the New Testament, and kind of, it kind of helps bridge the two uh, sort of uh, sections of, of the Bible. And then we also do um, book-by-book studies, verse-by-verse, and actually, we just got through finishing one, uh, a book, uh, study through the book of Galatians. But today, we start a new series called Jesus. Jesus Revolution. And this series is not based on the new movie of the same name, although I highly recommend you going to see that movie. It's out right now in theaters, and our youth group went, and, um, and, and they were greatly affected by that, and I'd encourage you to go see that movie. But this series is based on a movement that um, really shows up in, in waves throughout our history, with the first wave of the Jesus Revolution actually happening, happening at the very original Jesus Revolution about 2,000 years ago, when Jesus arrived on the planet. We will also look at the Jesus Revolution that happened in the early 70s, but then we will also bring it home to our hearts today. But, but before we look at the, the Jesus revolution, I think it's important for us to define it. What, is, what does this revolution mean? So revolution means the overthrow and replacement of an established government system by the people governed. Let me say that again. The overthrow and replacement of an established government system by the people governed. There have been many different revolutions throughout, throughout the course of mankind, throughout the history. Uh, some, of the, some of the big ones, you have the French Revolution, uh, you have the Russian Revolution, you have the English Revolution. Of course, we can't forget the American Revolution. And so these revolutions were an overthrow or replacement of an established government system. But the Jesus Revolution, and we are similar to that, except that it is an overthrow and replacement of an established religious system. An established religious system. Before each revolution, there are signs that need, that, that, that something needs to change. There are signs that point out that something needs to change. And this is also true with the Jesus revolution. All throughout history, there was something that needed to be changed. So for today's message, we will focus on the signs of the revolution. Okay, of a Jesus revolution. What are the signs that we can see and we have seen with a Jesus revolution? Because we need to be aware of those things. Um, and then we'll, we'll continue to talk about Jesus revolution in the weeks to come. But um, let's focus on the original revolution. It had signs that something needed to be changed. Sure, the nation of Israel back in 2,000 years ago, the nation of Israel were governed by the Roman Empire with heavy taxation and even executions to anyone who were against their plan and against their government. But Jesus did not come to overthrow and replace that problem. Now, many Jews hoped that he would. In fact, many Jews were believed that the Messiah, the promised one, prophesied by, by prophets hundreds and hundreds of years before he arrived. They thought that the Messiah would come and overthrow the Roman government. In fact, the 12 men that Jesus chose, really, they even thought that up until the night before he was arrested. So what stronghold did Jesus come to overthrow or replace? It wasn't the Roman government. What stronghold did Jesus come to overthrow or even replace? Well, first one is the rule of the Pharisees. The rule of the Pharisees. 
Jesus came to overflow, overthrow and replace a spiritual governing system that had gotten way out of hand and way too powerful for a certain group of people called the Pharisees. These teachers of the Jewish law created hundreds of man-made laws that burdened the people, God's chosen people. Um, we see teachings from Jesus like the one in, in Luke eleven forty six. Luke eleven forty six. 46, it said, Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, he's talking to them, the Pharisees, you experts of the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. So when, when, when Jesus came, there was so many laws, and in, in not only just in the Mosaic law and the Moses law and, and beyond the Ten Commandments, but it was even more man-made laws that, that over the years, these teachers of the law of the Jews just kept piling and piling and piling, and it was such a heavy burden. In fact, at one point in Jesus' teaching, like he said, look, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you come follow me, my burden is light. It's not following rules. It's following a relationship. And we even talked about that in the Galatians series on that. It's not following rules. It's following a relationship. And so Jesus came to, to um, get rid of that sort of rule of the Pharisee. The second thing he uh, came to overthrow and to replace was the rule of sin. Jesus also came to, um, to overthrow the rule of sin and the lives of people. Sin was so reigning throughout the world. Sin was governing and ruling people as if they were slaves. And I think even today, many people in the world are just bound in chains by sin in their life. And it was no different back then. They had no power to overcome sin because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet been sent out to those who accepted Christ as Savior. And the Holy Spirit is one that helps us with tackling sin and defeating sin. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They needed a Jesus revolution. We see the purpose of Jesus in 1 John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Sin was all crafted and started by Satan, the evil one. And he brought that into the world. And so Jesus came to defeat what Satan had been doing for thousands of years, deceiving people, putting people under shame and, and, and sinful slavery. So he came to replace it, that sort of religious governing system or that spiritual uh, system. So that's the original revolution, Jesus' revolution. Now, what about the 70s revolution that we find in the 70s? Um, there were also signs in the 60s and 70s that our country needed a new Jesus revolution. Those signs came out of a moral revolution from a generation that grew up in the strict and, and, and boxy sort of 1950s where everything seemed superficial and almost fake. You ever seen those, you know, the, those old black and white movies uh, you know, whether it be uh, Dick Van Dyke or even, you know, I Love Lucy, you know, and, and everything is just so uh, almost superficial. And you think there's no way that they can, they, they, their life is this perfect off of the screen. 
you know? And so we had this sort of picture, this idea of sort of the 50s where everything is superficial and fake. The 60s was a revolution against the, um, uh, that pushed against morality. Free love and sexual experimentation was in direct contrast to the rigid 1950s. The 60s ushered in the age of drug use, where getting high was the best escape to find happiness, Throw in the Cuban Missile Crisis and the assassination of JFK and Martin Luther King Jr. And you get the sense that things are out of control in the 60s. Things are out of control. And then getting involved in the Vietnam War didn't help matters either. (laughs) If life, as usual, had already felt sort of fragile, now all bets were off. (laughs) By halfway through the decade of uh, of the 60s, there were two distinct Americas. You ever feel like there's two distinct Americas now? Boy, there is. It may not look exactly like this, but there, there is. One, of the, one sort of distinct America was a conventional, achievement-driven, work-ethic world that had followed the 50s, populated mostly by people of the age of 30 and older. The other sort of America was a growing youth counterculture that rejected mainstream values of conformity convention and climbing the corporate ladder. The new culture that was arriving, they embraced the planet, high consciousness, and alternative realities. Drugs was a way to enlightenment. Life was about making love, not war. Possessions end up possessing you. Music was truth. And freedom was the ultimate high. But by the end of the 60s, that counterculture generation found that the road they had been traveling was only leading to heartache, emptiness, and despair. Chasing after the sexual revolution, the drugs, all of these highs, all of these things, they, they, they tried it, they tried it, and they tried it, and then it finally was like, I'm, I feel empty more than I ever have. I, I feel heartache, I'm in despair. There was only one thing that can pull them out. They needed a Jesus revolution. And that's what happened. So you had the original Jesus revolution. You have the 70s uh, Jesus revolution. Now let's look at, take a look at the signs that you and I, that we may need a Jesus revolution in our personal life. Jim Morrison, lead singer of the rock band The Doors, is quoted as saying this, there can't be any large-scale revolution until there's a personal revolution on an individual level. It's got to happen inside first. Boy, was he right. Got to happen inside first. Remember, a revolution is the overthrow and replacement of a governing system. So let me ask you a question. What systems in your life are governing you and keeping you from being the person God intended you to be? What governing system? I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about systems in your life, things in your life. What could be governing your heart, your mind, your emotions, your choices? What could be governing you so much that you're missing out on all God 
has for you. You tried things on your own, you tried living life on your own, and you realize you're empty, maybe even spinning in despair. So what are some possible signs? Again, today is all about the signs of a Jesus revolution, the signs that a Jesus revolution is needed. We saw the signs back in the original revolution, okay? And then we saw the signs that there needed to be a revolution in the 70s. Things were really bad. What are the signs that you and I face? I've just got four of them. Then then we'll be done with the message. Number one, when social media controls you. When social media controls you. I believe the social media is the leading system that is governing our minds today. Now, I'm not saying you can't. You shouldn't have social media. I have social media. But originally, I felt convicted to take take it completely off my phone because I kept looking at it. I still go, go to it. I was like, oh, I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it on my phone. I have to wait till I get in front of a computer to post something about the church or post that we're at a kid's event or, or that kind of stuff. But it, social media literally calls us to follow people who can influence us. We check our status updates on, so, on social media before we check our spiritual updates in God's word. Let me say that again. We check our status updates on social media before we check our spiritual updates in God's word. A lot of times we turn this before we turn to this. And I'm I'm sitting there right next to you. (laughs) This sermon is not just for you. It's for all of us. Today's generation, all of us, we're we're governed, especially the, the younger generation, you're governed by what they read and what their friends believe on social media. It has literally become an idol. We even bow our heads in worship when we read it. You know that a Jesus' revolution is needed in our heart when you're being governed by this powerful system that you can't live without or don't even have the power to overthrow. Keeping this idol around will have an effect on your love for God. We see this in, in Jonah. Remember Jonah and the fish, the whale? He said this, while in the whale, okay? He remembered this later, he wrote this down. You know, when you're in a fish for three days, you do a lot of praying. (laughs) If you've ever been in a fish, if you have, let me know. But if you've ever been in a fish for three days, and you do a lot of praying, a lot of thinking. And this is one of the things he uh, he thought about. He said this in Jonah 2.8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Boy, isn't that true? Those who cling to worthless idols Worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling, that's okay to to look at it, but when you cling to something, you're you're kind of replacing your, your love for God and you're missing out on all God has for you. So when social media controls you is one area that you might think, oh wow, I need a Jesus revolution in my life. And the second one is this, when you don't grieve for those who don't know Christ. When you don't grieve for those who don't know Christ. We have somehow arrived at the place where we treat different camps of Christians and non-Christians like, sort of like their political parties. Our mindset is this, you believe what you want to believe, I believe what I want, or you do you and I'll do me, and we'll just remain over here 
and we're divided, and we're, we're okay with that. Y'all, if you, if you have Jesus Christ living inside of you, and you have the Holy Spirit inside you, that should not be okay with you. If your grief does not bring you to your knees for those who know they are on their way to hell, then you need a Jesus revolution. If your grief does not bring you to your knees for those who you know they are on their way to hell, you need a Jesus revolution. How many times have I been, to, myself, I've been distracted by the, by the works of ministry or, or all this stuff that I miss out and I don't look at those people, I don't, I don't pray for those people enough and my heart doesn't cry out enough for those people. You know, we need to grieve for those people and when we grieve for them, guess what? We're going to invite them, we're going to invite them to hope, whether it be a church or small group or, or Bible study or whatever, we're going to invite them to where hope is. But we've got to grieve for that. We've got to grieve for them. And if you're not grieving, you need to ask yourself an important question. I need a Jesus revolution in my heart, in my life. So when social media controls you, when you don't grieve for those who don't know Christ, a third one is this, when sin is a pattern of your life. When sin is a pattern of your life. Uh, you may find yourself chained up in a pattern of a particular sin. It could be anger, self-indulgence, pride, jealousy, pornography, greed, etc. I can go on and on and on. And when we are caught up in that and those patterns of sin, you may have tried to stop these patterns with your own strength, but you find you just don't have it. But Jesus is the only one who can break those chains of sinful patterns. You need a Jesus revolution to overthrow and replace those sinful patterns governing your mind, heart, and emotions. Now, when you choose Jesus, when you make that, that step to cross that line of faith, when you say, when you give Jesus your yes, in just a few moments, we're going to have people give Jesus their yes. They've already been saved, but publicly, they're going to give Jesus and to you their, their yes. But when you do that and the Holy Spirit comes inside you, it gives you strength and power and the ability to overcome those patterns of sin in our lives. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to trip up. And people get confused on that. They're like, hey, I'm a Christian now. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be perfect. And then two days later, <laughs> they trip up into sin. Oh, my gosh, what do I do now? I need to be saved all over again. No, you don't. Being saved is a one-time decision. Now, becoming like Jesus is an everyday choice and an everyday workout. I was telling one of our students who's gonna be baptized here in just a moment, she's an athlete, and I explained to her yesterday, and I sat down with her, and I said, I said uh, as, as I was explaining baptism and the reason why, it's like, you know, but, but baptism, baptism doesn't save you, it's just, it's just getting you wet. You've already, you've already been saved. But baptism is an outward sign of an inward change that's taking place in your heart. But after baptism and after your choice of accepting Jesus, there's an everyday decision, it's a workout. We call it the Jesus workout plan. The Jesus workout plan. Where you become like Jesus. You, you get into God's word, you get around other believers. That's why it's important that our students get together 
and, and they do stuff together. Something, something incredible is happening in our youth ministry right now. And it's amazing what God is doing with this generation. But not only them, but you as well. And so as, as we work out our salvation, it's a workout plan, just like going to the gym. You're going to trip up. You're going to miss up. You're going to miss up on some days. Absolutely. You forgot to read the Bible? It doesn't mean you're shameful for that. Just pick it up again. Guess what? It's, gonna, it's still going to be there. It's still going to be there. It's not going anywhere. So, when sin is a pattern in your life, and you just can't beat it, and, and you're just, you've tried everything and everything, it just, the Holy Spirit is not moving in power in your life. And so you need a Jesus revolution. We need to get on our knees and say, Lord Jesus, please help me with this. Get with others. Have others pray with you on this. Get others you can trust and to pray with you about this. Find God's word. Look up, Google some things that you're facing. What does God's word say about this? And, and read that scripture every day. There, there is power and freedom in that. But you need a Jesus revolution to break the chains, the pattern of sin. So again, there's four things that are signs that you could need a Jesus revolution. When social media controls you, when you don't grieve for those who don't know Christ, when sin is a pattern of your life, and last but not least, when prayer and worship become a ritual chore. When prayer and worship become a ritual chore has your prayer life become a burden? Has your prayer life become a burden? Do you pray without ceasing? In other words, do you carry your prayers throughout the day? And these are honest questions that, we, that can help determine if, if we need a Jesus revolution. You know, and our praying should be kind of like eating. Okay, we, you know, I don't go throughout my day. I, I don't go around lunchtime. If I've eaten, if I've eaten breakfast early in the morning, which, which I usually do at the house, and then if it gets like one o'clock and, and I haven't eaten anything, I'm, I'm a little hangry, and, and I'm, I'm like, okay, uh, I don't tell myself, you know, I don't feel like eating. Man, I've, I've, I've never told myself that. <laughs> I don't feel like eating. Kidding me? I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat, right? And so, Praying should be a lot like eating, okay? We shouldn't really find ourselves, oh, I, don't, I don't really feel like praying. Because eating is nourishment. Praying is spiritual nourishment. That's how you're fed spiritually. That's how you're fed spiritually. And so having those moments throughout your day where, where, where you pray throughout the day. Like for instance, when you eat, you don't eat just one meal in the morning and that's it. And you don't eat lunch, you don't eat dinner, unless you're doing a fasting plan or, or whatever. But normally you don't do that throughout the day. You eat two, maybe three times a day, some of you more than that. Snack, right, because you're hungry. Well, just like eating, prayer should be the same thing. And not just praying before you eat. Prayer should be something, you don't just pray in the morning and just seal it and you're done and, and you just kind of leave God there and you come back to him the next morning. You just bring, bring him with you. Invite him into your day. Bring prayer with you. Pray throughout the day, when you're driving, students, when you walk into class, when you're waiting, instead of looking at your phone, <laughs> instead of looking at your phone, we can pray. Pray for people you don't even know. Instead of looking at our, at our phones, we can, we can be observant, okay? Sitting at a stoplight or, stop, or, or you know, 
in traffic or stuck, look at the person next to you, car next to you. Say, God, I don't know them, but I'm going to pray for them. I don't know what they need, but you know what they need. I'm going to pray for them. Okay? Now, now if you get out of the car and knock on their, on their window and say, I'm praying for you, that's a little creepy. But if you just tell the Lord, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on in their life, but I'm going to pray for them. And so there's many, many moments throughout our day that we can pray, just like there's many moments where we can eat. So if praying is laborious and, and, and a burden, then I would suggest you pray for a Jesus revolution in your life. A Jesus revolution in your life. Now, when, when praying does get burdensome, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just a season you're in. It's a dry season. Ask the Lord, help me break through that. I need more of you, Jesus. So we had the original Jesus revolution 2,000 years ago. There were signs that it was needed. We had a we had a Jesus revolution the first time we was called a Jesus revolution in the 70s. And there were signs that it was needed. And today, there are even signs that a Jesus revolution is needed. But like Jim Morrison of the Doors said, it starts with us. You want revival? It starts with you. It starts with you. There needs to be a Jesus revolution, a Jesus revival in your life, in my life. And that is where it begins. But what are the signs? Watch for the signs because they are there. You know, the Jesus revolution is, is really a movement of the Holy Spirit. John Edwards, a br- the brilliant theologian and pastor at the middle of the first great awakening said that one of the distinguishing marks of, the re- of a revival is a work of the Holy Spirit. There's no spiritual awakening without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is true. If you need a Jesus revolution, you need to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit. But if you do not have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not have the Holy Spirit. But guess what? We're going to give you the opportunity to take care of that right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would please. I want to make sure we have a a reverent spirit um, in this moment because this is where lives can be changed. Maybe I, I, I shared something that caused some conviction on your, on your life and maybe you're feeling like, I, I just need more Jesus. Maybe you have accepted Christ as Savior at, at some point in your life and you're like, I, I need a Jesus revolution in my life because Pastor Frank, some of those things you shared, I'm, I'm feeling those things. I see those signs in my life. And I need Jesus. If that is you, I want you to just pray right now to him and say, Jesus, I need more of you. I need more of you. I surrender these things that have caused me to lose my love for you. Those idols in my life that have caused me to lose my love for you, my my fervent passionate love for my Savior. But if you're sitting here today or watching online, and if if you've never accepted Christ as Savior, maybe now is the moment. Maybe now is the moment. Maybe maybe you've 
sense those signs, you see those signs in your life, and you tried to, to remove those patterns of sin, you just can't do it because you're trying to do it on your own strength. We weren't designed for that. We weren't made to hold on to sin. That's why Jesus sent us sent himself to us, and that's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So all it takes is you just accepting Jesus. You simply saying, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender trying to do it on my own. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. Please forgive me my sin. Please save me from my sins. Come into my life. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, if you prayed a prayer or something like that, especially that last prayer of inviting Jesus into, um, into your life, we want to know about it. We would love to know that, um, that you have accepted Christ as Savior. So what you could do this, you can let us know out in the lobby. For those who are watching online, you could send us an email. You can send me an email personally uh, at frank at lakepointonline.com. I'll get it, and then we'll, uh, uh, we'll follow up uh, through prayer and get you uh, a Bible if you need to or that sort of thing. But just know this, we're here uh, for you, and uh, know that when you made that decision, we'll even help you follow up with baptism, which is what we're about to do. You guys excited? Let's give the Lord a praise for what we're about to do. Thank you, Jesus. For those who are getting baptized, if you could just come on over here, and, um, and let's get ready to celebrate in baptism, okay? Thank you.